This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Rod McKay. And I'm your other sometimes host, Matt Galena. Good to see you, Rod. You're you're actually a past guest fan favorite on the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. You know what? We joke about it a bit, uh, calling it the Rodcast, but I think third time <laughs> on, so it's starting to feel more and more uh, like a thing. Oh, no, it's great. It's great you're here. We just got off a fantastic interview with Raymond Wong. Vice President of Data Operations and Data Solutions at the Altus Group. And this was a really enlightening conversation. Honestly, they really do God's work out there. You know, like I mentioned, we don't get the data from the MLS. We really rely heavily on these guys to supply it to us, and uh, they do a great job. This is the thing that I, I think a lot of listeners maybe don't understand about the commercial real estate market, right? If you're surfing MLS for commercial real estate, you're definitely doing it wrong. Like on the on the residential side, almost, you know, there's pocket listings out there. But if you want proper exposure, MLS is where you go. And that's not the case in the commercial world. Yeah, not at all. I mean, you will see some stuff on the MLS, but especially the larger scale transactions, they're almost exclusively exclusive, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> exclusively exclusive, except to Altus Group, because they get all the data from right across the country. And as I understand, William Wright and everybody else, for that matter, is heavily reliant on the data Altus provides. Absolutely. And they do a great job of it. Fantastic. Well, before we get to our talk with Raymond Wong, and he's we're basically covering the first half of 2022 surprises, what's going on, inflation, interest rates, cap rates primary markets, secondary markets, what's happening out there? And Raymond's got an answer for everything. So stay tuned for that. But before that, uh, Rod, we were both, I don't even know what, what was this called? The William Wright this, this Retreat? Is William Wright Whistler Retreat. So yeah, it's it's a company retreat that uh, we do every year, I guess. And that's why Corey's not with us today, but he's still recovering. <laughs> he's, he's, no, he's still recovering. No, I think I think he's taking his, his kid to the doctor or something, but we, we yeah, we can give him a hard time for that. But no, we, yeah, we, Matt and I actually got very well acquainted at the pool table at Bill's. Buffalo Bill's. I feel like we surprisingly ran that table. But you know what? I think I hit me one out of 50 shots, but you, you know, you kept it going for us. We kept playing. Stop, stop it. Stop <laughs> it, Rod. I'm not lying. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, that was a, that was a good night. And, uh, and we were there late. I don't know if this says more about everybody else or more about us, but I feel like we were getting better as the night went on. Well, I think so. And you know what? We were also supposed to be partnered up for golf. Unfortunately, there were some people that didn't make it out for the 10.30 tea time. So we got shuffled up a little bit. I was, right. I was excited to play with you though. Hey, well, and it, that was a, a lot of fun. There was, I didn't realize there were so many bears oh, on yeah. the course in Whistler. It's, it was kind of like, and also what do they call it? Bear scat? 
I oh, think yeah. is the proper terminology. Oh, yeah. Piles, steaming piles on the greens. These bears are massive, too. There was one guy, I took a video of it. I, it looks like a grizzly. It was, it was, and uh, no, but it was great course, great time, and great event. I was super excited to be there. Yeah. And I'll have to be back. I hope I get the invite next year, but... Uh, You've we'll, got the we'll, invite next year. We'll wait and see. I, I'm, I'm the host today, so Corey, uh, Matt, Matt's coming back next year. <laughs> right on. Well, maybe, uh, maybe we should cut to our talk with Raymond Wong. This is a good one. I would say information-packed, right? Information-heavy. He, he's got more information about commercial real estate than probably anyone in the country. It, the only disappointment was in the six-pack, he, he was uh, hesitant to put his music because last time... Apparently he got roasted for Simon, Simon Garfunkel, Garfunkel, which seems... Seems weird. Great, great band. Yeah, yeah. One of the best. And actually, let's just cut to this talk because it's uh, one of the best. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Raymond Wong, Vice President of Data Operations and Data Solutions at Altus Group. And I should say, past guest fan favorite. How you doing, Raymond? Very good. And thanks for inviting me again. Well, thanks for your time. It's, uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Maybe for people who didn't hear the last episode when you were on, Raymond, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Altus Group? Sure. Altus Group is a real estate services company. We have a valuation, appraisals, and costs, and we also have a tax group. And the group I'm part of is Data Solutions, whereby we collect um, commercial and new homes data across Canada. And then what we try to do with our clients is to make sense of uh, market direction with the data and focus on interpretation, looking at risk and opportunities with market trends. Excellent. I know uh, at William Wright, we use your services and they're invaluable for us where it's not the same as in residential real estate where you have the MLS and you can rely on that data because 99% of the product, from what I understand, is listed on the MLS and sold on the MLS. Whereas in commercial, you get a lot of off-market opportunities and we really rely on your software and data and it's invaluable to us. Well, very much uh, appreciated with your, with your comments. Thank, thank you. So Raymond, maybe just as an opening question here, and I guess it, I was thinking since we've had you on, but maybe I'll just phrase it this way. Has the first half of 2022 surprised you? Yeah, um, hmm. yes and no. With everything that is going on with the marketplace with um, interest rates, and we know that we've already seen the, the impact um, perhaps on the residential side. Um, we knew that... Um, on the capital market side, uh, we're going to see perhaps another record year compared to 2021. Um, and in the first quarter of this year versus um, compared to first quarter of last year, we're already up by 72% in way of sales volume. When you look at Vancouver, last year we're at $2.5 billion. Now in 2022, we're at $4.3 billion. So we weren't really surprised with that activity. But 
That was also a result of a lot of activity that occurred in the third and fourth quarter of, of 2021 that just closed in 2022. So, and the market fundamentals, especially with Vancouver on the on the office leasing side, is actually picked up somewhat, and um, the the availability rates are moving down, is, and um, some of the the rents for the newer office um, space is actually moving up, and industrial has always done well. So from that perspective, we were sort of anticipating it, but with everything else that's going on with the, the Ukraine war, with the increased inflation and increase in interest rates, we think there has to be an impact down the road on the commercial side, but we haven't seen it yet. From an investor standpoint, it seems to be, it's, it's even despite the increase in interest rates that um, buildings are still selling, perhaps uh, perhaps at maybe a little bit higher, a uh, little bit higher cap rates, but not much. It's remain flat, and definitely core assets are, are still selling at a premium. But it's sort of like yes, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop to a certain extent. With uh, whether or not the rapid increase in interest rate will impact the the commercial side. Maybe, uh, and I don't know, Raymond, if you, because you focus almost exclusively on the commercial side, as I understand, but I'm just wondering, is there a relationship to residential and commercial in these kind of changing markets? Obviously, there seems like there's a lag on the commercial side, or at least it it wasn't impacted as quickly as the residential side, but is there a, a correlation there, or am I trying to see something that doesn't exist? You're absolutely right, right? And Typically, with commercial, there there's a lag impact with the increase, with with the, with the market slowdown and how companies adjust their space requirements, or or in some cases their investment strategy. But again, there's still a lot of capital um, chasing um, commercial real estate that's keeping us strong. And when you look at you know less than one percent availability rate in Vancouver for for industrial, right? It's hard to see sort of a a slowdown there because it's um, there's not enough um, supply to to meet the demand. But at the same time, when you look at at um, and I'm going to speak both sides of my mouth here. So one, I'm saying that yes, there's a lag based on interest rates and based on the on perhaps on the residential and the consumer side. But when you look at the start of the pandemic, the commercial market reacted really quickly. It shut basically shut down with one increase in office supply availability and as well as the, the rapid slowdown in um, from investment transactions. And again, that was a bit of a panic because we didn't really know what was going on with, with the pandemic and whether or not how that was going to impact the marketplace and with the short, with the slowdown. But the way the markets are reacting right now, there sh- there, I think there will be a lag. And depending on how long or how high the inflation will go up, and perhaps how high the the interest rates will go up, that there's going to be a lag effect on the on the on the commercial side. Again, from an investment standpoint, a lot of the activity we've seen in the first quarter going into second quarter was a result of the deals done in uh, third and fourth quarter of 2021. And so, Raymond, I just want to talk about the. Uh, you know, from a data standpoint, the way that you look at things, we've seen interest rates rising far quicker than most people were forecasting. So, you know, you mentioned that we haven't quite got the data since the interest rates have risen. How long does it typically take for that data to come in? Well, it's three to six months before we see that change. But we have a 
a report. Uh, it's called the Investment Trend Survey. So basically, every quarter we survey over 150 investors in Canada and try to gauge where they see the market going in the way of cap rates and the demand for for space. So so far, and that's a good indicator because it's it's more present. So you don't have to wait till the closing date, three to six months down the road, or the impact on on the office market. So it's 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 how they feel. And so far, from our investor trend survey, that uh, investors they still have a huge appetite for for uh, commercial real estate. They still have a lot of capital to to spend. And uh, again, they're very interested in still the mainstay assets with respect to multifamily and industrial. And at least those two sectors, it's it's not that difficult to forecast that they're going to continue to do well just because of the supply and demand aspect and everyone's need for housing and the, the continuing demand on the e-commerce side. And and for us, we're in Canada right now. We're a little, we're still just a little bit undersupplied for uh, uh, large warehouse logistics e-commerce uh, space. Yeah, I mean, we we talk about the industrial asset class and the multifamily a lot. They're seen as extremely stable assets. With these interest rates rising, I know looking here in BC, we see extremely low cap rates, multifamily sometimes hovering around the two percent mark, up to three maybe, but. What's it like across the country, and do you see the cap rates going up as a result of these uh, increasing interest rates? Based on the math, they should. You know, and um, you know, and based on the, on the borrowing costs. Um, uh, but at the same time, um, you know, borrowing costs um, for industrials between five and seven percent, and industrials also seen the low cap rates across. Well. Mainly in um, Vancouver and Toronto, at at um, you know, between two and a half and four percent for industrial. So the the borrowing costs are higher uh, compared to the cap rate. But what those investors are betting on are the the lease renewals. And as as you know, we've seen um, a good increase in um, industrial rental rates over the last number of years. So there's looking at that bet. So for, for a certain extent, I, I see if, if industrial may see a slight increase in cap rates, if at all, and core assets will still demand a, you know a, a lower cap rate for but for office industrial, I'm mean, sorry, office and uh, retail. I think we may see a little bit uh, cap rates uh, moving upwards just because of some of the little bit uncertainty from. The work from home, and we'll, we'll actually go back in the office after Labor Day, and where that trend goes. And, and again, there's a number of different arguments out there right now, and the benefits of work from home, and you have that interaction in the office. And I think we still need to see that supply and demand play out. Can we talk a little bit about the or unpack, I guess, the relationship between interest rate increases, inflation, and cap rates? Like, is there a kind of like you said, based on the math, I'm just wondering if you could unpack that a bit. Yeah. So when you look at the, the interest rates, the cost to borrow money, and you look at um, cap rates, basically indicate a return on on the property. So if interest rates are higher than what the return is, it's it's on the negative side. And what on the industrial side, what I mentioned is that the anticipation is that higher renewal rates on the rental rates that will cause the cap rate to move down hmm. a little bit more. Um, 
and justify some of the, the price points on the interest rates. But again, it just costs more to acquire these properties, and naturally, that is uh, that should impact the, the the sale price going forward. Thanks, Raymond. And I think I understand that you've been doing this for thirty plus years. Is that correct? Thanks for the reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason is, I mean, a lot of people have been looking at these rising interest rates. And the fear is that, you know, if we slow growth too fast uh, and too much, then we could be heading for a potential recession. So I guess the question for the listeners is, how does commercial real estate fare through a potential recession? And uh, what asset classes make it? And what might fare a little worse? Well, Definitely on the, as, as we said, you know, I, I hate to say that industrial is almost bulletproof, but there's some concerns there with the increase in, in rents, whether or not um, companies and tenants can bear the brunt of those increases. But with the increase in interest rates, um, you know, we already had a housing affordability issue before um, the increase in interest rates, and interest rates have just worsened that, that, um, that, when you when you have something like that, that people turn to the multifamily side and to rent properties, and you've seen the very low vacancy rates right across Canada on the multifamily side, so it, it pushes rental rates higher. So the mainstay with industrial and um, and multifamily are, I think they're going to do well in the, perhaps in the slowing market because people still need to live somewhere. But and I think that gray area until again we see what what happens from the work from home and, and uh, whether or not people downsize or need office space at all the impact on the on the office market and if you're looking to cut back in certain areas maybe it's the office space and we saw that at the start of the pandemic when the sublet uh, rate went up by thirty forty percent just because of of um, tenants not needing that space, uh, especially with no employees. So you see that, that that might ratchet up quickly if there's there's a concern with the economy and not needing the space and look at areas to, to, to um, cut back. On the retail side, again, with the cost of gasoline increasing and, and the cost of just overall costs increasing in groceries and food and whether or not that sort of impacts the retail sector, you know, People were finally going back to the malls and retail stores, and whether or not that slows that part down, and, and the focus is on what do you need rather than what you want, that may impact the, the retail side. But we've been talking a number of years about the retail sector and its ability to pivot, and I think we're still going to see that. So I see uh, perhaps some some challenges in in those areas. So it's it's that multifamily and industrial, I think, will sort of get through this. And um, I think um, and it's the same thing with the office and retail. It, it remains to be seen. Okay. So Raymond, it sounds like industrial multifamily are the asset classes that are looking the strongest if we're, if we're heading into a, to a recession or, or tougher times. In terms of market or markets, I should say, historically over the, the 35 years you've been doing this, which fares better? Like, are you betting on big cities? Are are secondary markets still looking as attractive? What are your thoughts on the interaction between those two markets, and which is uh, the better bet moving forward here for the remainder of this year and into twenty twenty three? You know, to be honest, I don't know anymore. When you look <laughs> at the, the impact, uh, 
the work from home and you look at the interprovincial migration and the whole affordability thing, the provinces that have benefited well from uh, the hybrid or not, you know, not have to go to the office is Atlantic Canada with uh, the movement there and people started moving back home as well as more affordable housing prices compared to Toronto and Vancouver. But at the same time, if you look at the, the share positive growth uh, last year and and uh, people moving to BC, right? Even though that Vancouver has very high high prices, but again, is is that moving to the secondary tertiary markets? And you've seen prices outside in, in tertiary markets that have gone up by 40, 50 percent, right? And the challenge with that it causes problems for does it cause a problem for for a person from Toronto buying into a tertiary market, right? More bang for the for the space. But it causes problems for the people that have been living there for X number of years, and they're driving prices up higher, and that the local residents can't really afford. So, so that's a bit of a concern. So we're starting to see um, some increase in one that demand to be in the secondary and tertiary markets for housing affordability, and then that drives some of the commercial, the retail development. And if you look at the office um, growth in Kelowna, and I know it's, it's, for a while there, it's been more recognized as a retirement community, but increase in um, the expansion of UBC in that marketplace, causing you know, perhaps a, a very talented workforce and whether or not people actually will move there will, will have certain benefit in that area. But at the same time, I'm still a strong believer of the big markets and uh, the consistent returns that they offer year in year out, just because of, from an immigration standpoint, that's you know the key target areas of the, of the large markets that they want to be in. So Raymond, I think we've kind of some of these questions have been posed from kind of a doom and gloom perspective. We've got rising interest rates, we've got inflation. Are we heading towards a recession? But I think we need to remember too that you know we're also uh, coming through a pretty good recovery in some aspects too. You know, from a commercial real estate perspective, I think in Canada, a lot of people look at Vancouver and they look at Toronto and they compare the two. Can you talk about sectors that, you know, had challenges throughout the pandemic, like office and retail and the, how the recovery has been and, you know, how we can compare the two, Vancouver and Toronto? Well, it's going to take some time. It's no longer, you can't really look at the office as nine to five, you know, and you go home. It's now you need you need to have a reason for people to come in. You have to create the environment for people to want to come to the office. You have to give them a reason. You look at the, the amenities and capital expenditures, especially on the office side, to add those components, to have people come into the office. And again, change in layout, more collaboration space, and is that shit. It's going to take a little bit more time for that to, to, to impact it um, because... People are still a little bit nervous getting on public transit, right? And the percentage or the numbers are starting to increase on public transit, but nowhere close to um, the pre-pandemic. And again, when we look at Toronto, the, the highways are just clogged because there's not that comfort level. So one, there's going to be a change in how um, offices are going to be used, and as well as retail, for, uh, as well for interaction, and allow for sort of probably more mixed-use development on the residential side, including the, the, the retail and, and as well as perhaps some office component, more mixed type of uses. But again, we have to give a little bit more time for this 
people to be a little bit more comfortable um, coming, uh, getting on public transit and for this whole, and I think companies are still trying to figure out what is the ideal model of, of hybrid. Is it four days a week? Is it three days? Is it two days? And, and what that looks like. And are you going to let somebody that um, not coming off uh, at all and just work from home? So there's those things that still have to be um, played out. And I think part of it is us getting through this pandemic and people um, being more comfortable with, with their surroundings. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people in Toronto and it seems like the differences here, it seems like we've bounced back. I mean, even just talking to people, it sounds like they're shocked when they come out here and they don't see people wearing masks. Seems like Vancouver's bounced back maybe a bit quicker than Toronto. I'm not sure what you're seeing on the numbers. I think our vacancy rates are for office are around 6%. Are you seeing a bit of a fluctuation there on a Vancouver versus Toronto basis? Absolutely. Um, well, we, I ran some earlier numbers, and overall, Vancouver in the second quarter, and I know there's another two weeks left in the quarter, but we're at about 9.4% for the Vancouver CMA, and that's below double digits, whereas Toronto is still at close to 16%. Wow. So you're seeing that quicker recovery, and you, you've seen that analysis by, by uh, Lululemon about um, – um, we see more space in, in Vancouver. And, and as well as when you look at the new construction numbers, there's approximately um, 6.7 million square feet of office space under construction. There's only about 72% of that space. Uh, um, well, 72% is occupied and 28% is vacant, right? And that's pretty good. And that also shows you, though, that there's a lot of demand for your newer space and uh, your more modern space, especially when you're looking at the, you know, the COVID protocols and, and the upgrades and as well as how more flexible some of those floor plates on the new buildings are. And it's the same um, for Toronto. At you know, There uh, in Toronto, you look at 8.5 million square feet of office space under construction, and uh, you have a a vacancy rate of um, 31%. So you're not seeing any cancellations and continue to lease up of some of these these buildings. So I think that's a positive for that office front. And again, that speaks to that continued evolution of, of space. And by the way, I was in Vancouver on vacation last week, and you're right, it, 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 it's a little bit different from Toronto. Was definitely less mass. And I think a little bit more comfortable there. And uh, the amount of traffic and the people on the streets is... It was um, pretty busy. Yeah, absolutely. And just, uh, you know, on a scale perspective, I think you mentioned in Greater Vancouver, there's 6.7 million some odd square feet under construction and just north of eight for Toronto. Toronto's a much larger city. It sounds like, you know, we're almost at par with them with uh, a much smaller footprint. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. That 8.5 million square feet in Toronto, is, um, almost all of us happening downtown. Right. Right. And I think with Vancouver, it's uh, majority downtown, but there's so, also some new developments happening in, in the suburbs. But that's not that's happening less in Toronto. Raymond, just thinking about the lag time that you you spoke of earlier and, you know, the fact that I was kind of struck by the, that the market's 70 percent up from the first quarter of 2021. That seems I would have never guessed that. But a lot of those sales were it sounds like we're from late in the year last year and there's this lag. So we're kind of in this 
at least from reading the tea leaves as to where we're going, we're in a bit of a holding pattern. You know, if you were a, a commercial real estate investor, would you would you be taking a wait and see approach right now, or would you be buying? And and what would you be buying? You know, there's a reason why I'm a researcher. Right? <laughs> um, I think I asked you this question yeah, last time. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the thing is, you, you seem to remember the difficult questions. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it 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 depends on the product and the geography, right? If you want to do a wait and see it for industrial, you can't. You you're just going to lose the opportunity, right? And if you think that that there might be a little more softness depending on the work from home, whether or not people turn back to the office and look at the office around them, and to a certain extent, we we were anticipating more um, perhaps office demand in the suburbs in Toronto, and we did see a little bit of that, but more so Vancouver. You're seeing that you're not you're seeing demand in the downtown and uh, the suburbs. So if you want, if you sort of want to make a bet and sort of wait and see, or you see sort of an opportunity, the opportunity I think is the future opportunity for that site and that transition over the next three to five years and to pick up that asset now when it's still at a low point compared to waiting three years when when other things come into play and that property becomes more expensive so it really depends on your 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 uh, your strategy and your sort of rate of return expectations on your property but certain assets you can't afford to wait, and I think it was basically the, 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 on the multifamily on the, the industrial side that we, we spoke about. And the other thing that I didn't probably mention, you know, one of the biggest activity is 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 land, land on the commercial side, and land on the, on the residential side. That especially on the residential side, that land banking and, and a, a, a future pipeline uh, for 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 new homes uh, still in demand. So making that play that. Yeah, you pick it up now because you know that for land, you know, in three or five years or two or three years, even short, depending on where it is, you know that price is going to go up, right? So you sort of have to believe that depending on, on whether or not you're optimistic or not, that we'll get through this over the next you know, six to 12 months and then markets will sort of return. Or if you're doom and gloom and say, like, the market's going to, implode and I'm going to hold off for the next couple of years because you might be missing some opportunities. But again, you might also let this marketplace um, be overspending for some of the assets depending on investments. So it's great uh, from a research perspective. I think I gave you the answer on both sides. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Maybe as a final question, Raymond, in, in the 35 years you've been doing this, that uh, based on my math here is do I have this right? That's kind of the late '80s when you started charting this stuff uh, and, and working you're, in the industry. You're, you're, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just wondering. I mean, you hear this all the time, right? The word "unprecedented" is is a little bit overused, and uh, it seems like we're in kind of new, diff- different crises uh, every week right now. And and the stability of the '90s and the early aughts is is gone. But is there a moment that you can think of? in your career that feels like today? I'm thinking in the early 90s, I might have this wrong. They There was, a, you know, Alan Greenspan broke a little, uh, the back of inflation pretty quick, I, I believe. But in your, let's leave it to the professionals here, Raymond. Is there a moment that you can think of that feels like today? No, I remember the, the 
early 1990s when you had negative uh, net effect of rents for office space. You know, we, we've had, you know, oh. kind of um, inducements were nowhere near to level where owners just were trying to cover um, operating costs for the buildings. And I remember the financial crisis in 2007, and that was bizarre because um, it wasn't, uh, we're having discussions with tenants. It wasn't about how they were going to rationalize their space, um, but it was a discussion on how do I get out of this lease without getting severely sued, right? And it, it, depending on the moment and depending on the situation, but now we've gone, yeah, and again, I'm just not sure on the office side yet because the, definitely the, the, the sublet space has dissipated. One, because people took opportunities and some of the terms have expired, and we're definitely not seeing an increase in um, in sublet space, and we're definitely not seeing the record, like, 18, 20% um, office vacancy rates that we saw in, in Toronto. And I, I think it's different. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's dire. I think it's, it, there's a number of different factors that are impacting this with um, the Ukraine war, the, the, the increase in, in um, oil prices, and a number of different factors. And COVID is still shutting down the labor in, in China. And impacting logistics, and you know the cost of um, construction is still increasing, and the cost of labor is still increasing. I think the numbers are maybe close to similar, but still different. And I just there's no sort of slowdown exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, so I think I think I said 30 years. Then Matt brings it back to 35. We won't go to 40, but if we did, we could talk about the 22% interest rates that, that were out there. So it could be a lot worse, I guess. Uh, just to finish up here, I mean, we're very fortunate, William Wright, to have access to the software that you provide and have in-depth analysis of all asset classes and transactions. But for the listeners that that don't have access to that, what where can they find uh, you know some of the data that you come up with and some of the analysis? Well, we have some reports on our um, autosgroup.com uh, um, website uh, you can look at, and uh, as well as the details on what type of services and what type of data that we do provide. So everything's on our website. So feel free to um, to um, search Autosgroup, and, and then if you have any other questions, um, re- reach back out to, to me if possible. And, and Raymond, uh Corey's not here, so we do have this segment, the six-pack, six lighthearted questions. You've done it before. I feel like the questions have been slightly tweaked. Do you have time to stick around for that? Yeah, I'm kind of scared, but um, go ahead. (laughs) The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Favorite vacation spot when you get time away from, from the data? Um, you know what? It's, it's probably Venice in Italy, um, a place where there's no cars. You can walk around and there's food everywhere. It just works for me. Beautiful. Pretty good. All right. Netflix show that you're binge watching right now, or or favorite movie, Raymond? You know what? It is. I hate to say it, but I actually like 
Top Gun too. I just saw it um, very nice a couple of weeks ago in Kelowna, right? And I was I was I was actually surprised. I actually liked this one better than the first one. Interesting. Yeah, everyone's been raving about that one. Have you seen that one, Rod? I haven't, but I've been meaning to get out. Maybe this weekend. Here's a new one for you, Raymond. You're on death row. What's your last meal? You know, a, a, a nice sirloin steak with mashed potatoes. Very nice. How about favorite? No, you know what? Can I can I rephrase that? Yeah, absolutely. Apple pie, apple mo- uh, with vanilla ice cream to the side and slightly warm. Well, de- on, like death, with- on death row, they'll give you both. I think. <laughs> Is that true? Okay, I think, I think so. Oh yeah, I think you can get whatever you want. Favorite restaurant okay. or bar could be Toronto, uh, <laughs> or or you were just in Vancouver, a place that stuck out. Well, actually, my favorite restaurant now because I've been to a few times is actually in Kelowna called um, Skinny Dukes right downtown, and it's a fusion food and uh, it's 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 uh, I think part Korean and part something else, but, uh, but it's it's just amazing. I mean, it's always a nice surprise to to go to a restaurant. Okay, we got a couple more for you here, Raymond. What's on the 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 car stereo right now on repeat? I, I knew you. Could, I was trying to prepare for a music or, um, question. Uh, uh, there's nothing on there. I can't. That I have. There's nothing I have on repeat on the on the, on the radio. All right. So the last one. You know, I kind of want to switch it up here. I think you might have been asked about this before. Are you a hockey fan? Um, off and on. Off and on. Are we going for Tampa Bay Lightning or the Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Finals? Oh. Colorado Avalanche. Beauty. Love to hear that all day. Well, thanks, Raymond, for for coming back on the show. That was a a super enlightening conversation, and we really appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun, and, and again, I appreciate you guys asking me out again. Yeah, thanks so much, Raymond. And there you have it, folks, our chat with Raymond Wong, Vice President of Data Operations and Data Solution at Altus Group. It was, uh, that was great. Uh, It was great having Raymond back on the show. And uh, I feel like it's such an interesting moment. It's crazy that Raymond, in his 35 years, and I feel like I keep hammering that home (laughs) to, to his chagrin, but seriously, he's a very experienced data analyst in the commercial real estate space. And he was having trouble picking a moment that feels like today, right? It's, it speaks to, I, I think, the level of, uh, you know, the, the interesting moment we're in. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can sound a little bit scary when he can't find a moment just like this. And, and like you said, you know, it's unprecedented times. But, you know, there's still a lot of optimism out there, not just all doom and gloom. This is the, the one thing over the last couple of months, because in the residential world, and actually Vancouver actually seems quite busy in, in the residential, on the residential side of things right now. But when the first 50 basis point increase hit, it seemed like the tap was shut off immediately in, in residential and week after week. So there's like a month there where it was really slow and now it's kind of picked back up and it's almost just business as usual. But week in, week out, Corey would come screaming in here, you know, have to do the podcast. I'd uh, be like, oh, we're slammed, man. This is crazy. We're all like, it was like, the world's totally diverged and it does seem like you guys have been busy straight through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing is there's still so much money out there and there's a lot of groups that have missed out time after time after time. So while interest rates are rising, instead of having seven, eight, nine, ten 10 groups at the table, they might be competing with one or two other groups. So they might 
you know, prefer this time. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's still very little product, as I understand. Oh, there's next to no inventory. And it remains to be seen if more will come to market. But it's it's been a challenge for for years for us now. So, I, you know, if more comes to the market and we see a bit of a balance where it's a little bit less of a seller's market and the buyers have more options, I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, no, it, it would. I think it would. Healthier markets are good, but the rents are increasing across the board. So it, it's, it, I mean, it doesn't seem to stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll leave it there, Rod. But before we go, how can people find out what you're doing over at William Wright Commercial? Yeah, pretty easy. Just go on to our website at williamwright.ca. Uh, you can find my email there, roderick at williamwright.ca. Or you can call me directly, which I prefer on my cell, 604 763 5510. And it's worth pointing out, Rod's one of the best in the business. Uh, and also, these episodes all live at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, where we also do a synopsis as well. So if you don't have time to listen to past episodes, future episodes, you can head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and find what we're doing at the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. But that's it. A wrap for the week. No Corey Wright. That's uh, a wrap. No Corey. <laughs> but we'll be back next week. That's for sure. All right. Thanks, everyone. Subscribe today.